This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, June 28th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, scattered thunderstorms this afternoon. The high 80 tonight overnight, partly cloudy. Cloudy high 66, or I should say low 66. And then tomorrow, uh, the sun reappears, high 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 65 cloudy in Valhalla up in Westchester County, 66 in cloudy down in Eatontown, New Jersey. And it is 65 and foggy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. So, once in a while, I'll take a peek at the ratings for the 5 o'clock show. I mean, I, I, I'm only concerned if they come to me and tell me they're not good. But thankfully, they've been great. We're either number one or number two every time one of these ratings books comes out. Which, by the way, thank you. Which means a lot of you are listening at this early hour. Thank you very much for that. And then we also podcast this news hour, which... At first, I thought was kind of comical to podcast, you know, podcast a talk show. That makes sense. They're doing all different kinds of topics and they have guests on and they have bits or whatever. And people will listen to that later. But I do a news show. So the thought is the minute I finish doing the news, it's it's old. Right. Uh, because I, we, we just did it and things change during the course of the day. But surprisingly, the podcast does OK. People download it. And I didn't know this, but the person who's in charge of doing that came to me with the numbers to show me what was going on. And what I thought was interesting is uh, not just the overall number, which was, you know, not fantastic, but decent for a show that's a news show, was where people are listening. Uh, you can get a readout of where people are listening to your podcast. So number one, no surprise, is right here in the United States. And you can break it down even further by states and see where people are listening. But um, here was the thought that here was the part that I thought was odd in Japan. Uh, there are 38 downloads almost every single day of people listening to the news hour. So I, 38, I mean, you know, you think one, five, seven, 38, but I went back and looked because you can go back, you know, month or week or whatever. And there were 38 people listening to this podcast almost every single day since March, which is about the time I think I took over 38. I don't know anybody in Japan. So these are people who are just listening to us there. So if you're listening to us in Japan, well, thank you. Uh, it just seems odd. And then, uh, the United, so that was the second largest amount of people. Then Singapore was third. That seems odd to me as well. United Kingdom, uh, Israel. So I checked in with my dad and I said, are you listening to me on the podcast? And of course, no, he's not. So, uh, but I have 18 people there. So thanks for that. And some of these people do reach out, but, Apparently, at least among 38 people every single day in Japan, I'm a habit for them. So thank you very much to those people in Japan. Uh, what is it? Domo arigato? Is that how you say it? 
Domo Arigato. You don't throw in the Mr. Roboto part, though, right? That's from That's Sticks. up to you. No, okay. I, you, you put your own slant on <laughs> <Okay>. it. <you> know. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. One surprise out of New York's primary day numbers. It continues to be a total hassle to fly into or out of the big three area airports. The smoke from Canada, it's coming back. New York City school kids are being taught to breathe deep. And Pink gets a weird thing thrown at her on stage. All right, let's get into it. 5.04. Yesterday was primary day here in the city. All 51 city council seats open in redrawn districts. There were also judges, district attorney candidates on the ballot. One of the most closely watched races was a contest featuring a member of the exonerated Central Park Five criminal justice reform activist Yusuf Salam on the ballot. He won last night easily in the Harlem district. This campaign has been about those who have been counted out. This campaign has been about those who have been forgotten. This, this campaign has been about our Harlem community who has been pushed into the margins of light. That was Salam at his election night headquarters in Harlem last night. One big upset of late last night. Early results, and it looks like this could hold, City Councilman Charles Barron is in second place in the Democratic primary for Brooklyn District 42. His challenger, Chris Banks, scored nearly 50% of the first-round vote. That's with 99% of precinct scanners reporting in. Barron, a former Black Panther, has represented East New York for more than two decades, so this would be a pretty big upset. There are apparently absentee ballots to count, so it's not over yet for him, but he'll have to make up a lot of ground, which they don't think he will. Meanwhile, both incumbent and Democrat District Attorneys Melinda Katz over in Queens, Darcel Clark up in the Bronx, both sailing to easy victories in their boroughs. Yesterday, turnout, turnout was really low. Uh, it was incredibly low during the nine days leading up to the election with the early voting. All of 44,000 people in a city of 7, 8 million people, 44,000 voted during nine days of early elections. The biggest number was in Queens, where they had a couple uh, contested races. Um, but uh, when we see these numbers again, and I'm looking at them from uh, all these, a fair amount of these races uncontested, but where they were, even then, you had eight, ten thousand 10,000 votes total total for these districts that have tens of thousands of people in them. Uh, we'll get the final numbers, I imagine, the next couple hours from the Board of Elections, including some of those uh, absentee ballots that will be counted later today. But again, uh, there are no big surprises except for Charles Barron, who looks like he may have been knocked out of the city council. They still have the absentee ballots votes to count there. But when they come in, when we get that information, we will pass that on to you. Head over to the airports where there were just a huge number of flight disruptions again yesterday. JFK, LaGuardia, Newark airports, some of it because of the weather, those storms coming in and out, the weather related disruptions. They started back on Sunday. Now people trying to figure out how to get on vacation, how to get back home. Nobody, a lot of people say they don't even have a date yet, even though some of their flights were supposed to leave Monday, Tuesday. It's not okay because people have planned these vacations for like a long time. Yeah, I kind of know where she's coming from. You can hear she got very upset. You plan a family vacation. You spend 
all this time building up the excitement, and then you can't get on vacation because of what's happening. So she was upset. Flyers, we saw them sleeping on cots again overnight last night. Uh, some of them shelling out money for hotels. Others saying they're losing money on missed work because they can't get back home. The Asian airlines are far, far better than the American airlines. Yeah, so this guy is trying to get home to Singapore. The Asian airlines are... I wonder if he listens to the news hour. Maybe he's one of those people. The Asian airlines are far, far better than the American airlines. Anyways, they, they take care of the customers. Here they don't. They say, sorry, goodbye, see you. So isn't that, it's not very friendly over here. Yeah, so a lot of blame to go around. Lots of people uh, blaming the airlines. Of course, some of it the weather. Some of it the FAA. We'll get into that in a second. There's no any flight till 1st of July, and we don't wear five of our flight. Any, there's no any flight till 1st of July, and we don't wear five of us, and we don't have place to stay here till 1st of July. The best option they gave us is flight from Baltimore, which is tomorrow, and they don't pay anything. Yeah, so she'd somehow have to get herself to Baltimore. Not easy to do if there's no rental cars. Uh, United Airlines putting some of the blame on the Federal Aviation Administration. United CEO yesterday saying greatly reduced arrival and departure rates uh, are a reflection of understaffing at the FAA. They can't seem to handle all the traffic. Now, you'll remember back on Memorial Day weekend, it was smooth. People got out the beginning of the summer season and they thought, okay, we're going to get past what happened last year, which was just a disaster for so many people trying to fly out on vacation. But uh, here we are, and um, not all of it, he says, is weather-related. We had to get on the phone many, many, many times and finally got rebooked for Friday. Yeah, NBC's uh, Tom Costello's been out at the airports watching this all. 77% of air traffic control facilities are understaffed, not at their optimum level. As a result, the FAA slowing traffic into key airports, especially in the Northeast. If you're going to the airport today or any time over the coming weeks, check your flights before you leave the house. Yeah, I think most people do that anyway already. 512. It appears Russian President Putin is honoring a deal now that he made with the Wagner Group. After Progrosin's group attempted a rebellion against Moscow three days ago, Putin agreed to drop terrorism charges against him if he agreed to be exiled to Belarus. On Tuesday, Belarus authorities confirmed Prigozhin arrived at the country safely. Hours later, Russia's Federal Security Service dropped the terrorism charges against him. The Wagner Group claims he was not trying to overthrow Putin, but was marching against injustice. I'm Brian Shook. All right, let's go down to Washington 513, the IRS whistleblower accusing the Justice Department of interfering in the Hunter Biden tax fraud probe claims in a new interview that his team was prevented from taking investigative measures that could have led them to President Biden. IRS Supervisory Agent Gary Shapley, who delivered bombshell testimony to the House Ways and Means Committee back in May, related to the five-year-long fraud uh, tax fraud investigation of first son Hunter Biden, made the assertion in the sit-down last night with CBS that uh, he emphasized that the investigative procedures, the Justice Department purportedly blocked his team from completing were a necessary part of the probe. And he says that should be investigated by Congress. We'll see. Uh, they sh- 
sure seem willing and able to take up that investigation. We'll hear more, I'm sure, from Gary Shapley as the day was wear on. Out to the campaign trail, of course, people responding to that story and more. Former President Trump, he was up in New Hampshire yesterday rallying voters there for his 2024 race. On November 5th, 2024, we're going to stand up to the Marxist and communist, fascist and globalist. We're going to evict crooked Joe Biden. He is crooked as hell. Trump spent much of the speech railing against President Biden's domestic and foreign policies, also uh, going after the Justice Department for going after him. There's no better example than the most corrupt president in the history of our country. Joe Biden He's the most corrupt president we've ever had. This is the continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. That's all it is. And its primary purpose is election interference. Yes, so uh, former President Trump claims he did nothing wrong discussing what prosecutors say were those classified documents with staff and others after he left office. Maybe you heard some of those tapes. Uh, While rallying New Hampshire yesterday, Trump took time out to say he and his staff were going through a lot of things besides the documents. And again, he says he did no wrong. Copies of magazines, copies of different plans, copies of stories having to do with many, many subjects. And what was said was absolutely fine and very perfectly. We did nothing wrong. This is a whole hoax. All right, we'll go back out to the campaign trail in just a moment. But first, 5.15, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Tuesday. Good morning, Justin. It's not Tuesday. No. Oh, what is it? Is it Wednesday? Wednesday. Hold on a second. Let me just change that in my script. God. Have you been saying Tuesday all morning? I may have been. I don't know. (laughs) Very very likely, actually. (laughs) It's hump day, Noam. Come on. Second half of the week. You're right. Happy Wednesday. When we speak into Japan, I think, actually. Oh, no. Actually, it's Thursday in Japan, isn't it? It's very confusing. Uh, Okay, please. Now it's too early for this. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do some sports here. The Mets, they woke from the dead for at least one evening as they trounced the visiting Milwaukee Brewers 7-2 in Game 2 of a four-game set out in Queens. Brendan Nimmo took matters into his own hands last night, powering New York to the victory with two long balls sounding like this, courtesy of SNY. Nimmo drives one deep right field. Perkins going back at the wall. It's out of here. Nimmo hits this one well to left center. Weimer back on the warning track right at the fence. It's out of here. Brandon Nimmo strikes again. Second home run of the night for Nimmo. A two-run shot, and it's 4-0 New York. Back of a night there for Brandon Nimmo on the bump. Things showed up as well with David Peterson being nails through six scoreless innings in his return to the bigs. The win ensures that owner Steve Cohen has a good result heading into his planned state of the team press conference later on today. It'll be the first time Cohen has spoken to the media since opening day and should take place sometime before tonight's 7, 10 p.m. first pitch. Cohen did reveal uh, via Twitter yesterday. Speaking of that 7, 10 first pitch, Kodai Senga will get the start against Milwaukee's Wade Miley, as for the Yankees, they got their West Coast trip underway with a tough 2-1 to loss at the hands of the lowly A's in Oakland. They just got diced up and down all night long by Oakland pitching. Oakland gets their 21st win on the year. That's how bad they've been. And uh, Paul Blackburn, though, he was good last night against the Yanks. The lone run for New York coming on the ultra-rare Josh Donaldson home run in the fifth. Noam, he raises his season batting average to 132, so wow. look out. Yeah, the MVP race is heating up. They'll see if they can right the ship in tonight's Game 2 in Oakland, set for a 9.40 p.m. first pitch. Domingo Herman gets tabbed to go against Oakland's J.P. Sears. Sports Noam on WABC. I'm Justin Alec. At 5.19, back to the campaign trail, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley laying out her approach to China 
yesterday. America is China's number one target. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Haley in D.C. yesterday accusing the Biden administration of allowing China to get the upper hand across the globe. He has done little to stop the expansion of China's footprint on our homeland. He has weakened our own military. And she suggests that uh, Biden has let U.S. companies invest in China uh, or in China's military. And she supports, um, she says that she doesn't support anything like that. We will protect America's prosperity and homeland from Chinese aggression. We will tackle Chinese meddling in our society and its manipulation of our economy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis making his presidential pitch to voters up in New Hampshire yesterday. This is humiliating as a country to not even be able to control your own territory, your own border. He's talking about securing the U.S.-Mexico border. He vows he would do that if he's elected president. It should not be an issue in this country because if a country does what it's supposed to do, your border will be secured and your sovereignty will be respected. We're going to stop the invasion We're going to fight the cartels. We are going to actually build the wall. Yeah, and yesterday, uh, Florida's largest police union endorsed uh, DeSantis for the Republican nomination for president. The Florida Police Benevolent Association hailed DeSantis as the most effective governor in the nation who will make public safety a top priority in the White House. The union endorsed former President Trump in 2020. The PBA represents 30,000 police and correctional officers across Florida. I'm Rick Hoschel. Back down to D.C., the White House trying to get its message across to voters that President Biden's economic policies, they say, are working. When you ask people about how they feel about reshoring manufacturing jobs and investing in America, those things are incredibly popular. And we find that when we go out and we talk to people about it, they support Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Okay. Principal Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton there telling reporters the president will highlight the work the administration has done on the campaign trail. Unemployment has, is at historic lows. We've seen inflation come down for uh, by 50 percent over the last year. Our economy has recovered faster than any major economy in the entire world. And that's happening because of President Biden's leadership. The president getting some decent news yesterday, his approval rating up. A new Gallup poll puts the president's rating among Americans at 43 percent. That's up four points since last month. It's Biden's uh, highest number since last August, almost a year ago. And pollsters, here's the interesting part that might worry Republicans. Of course, it's awfully early. But pollsters say the uptick is largely due to growing approval among independent voters. Of course, either the Republican or Democratic nominee needs those independent voters to win uh, 2024. WABC News Time 522, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issuing an alert after a number of cases of malaria were detected in Texas and Florida. The CDC believes all of them were locally acquired and warned case numbers could rise during the busy summer travel season. Malaria is mostly found in tropical climates. Experts say as global temperatures rise, so too could the number of infections. Symptoms include fever, chills, and in severe cases, difficulty breathing. According to the World Health Organization, nearly 620,000 people globally died from malaria in 2021.
Yeah, lovely. That's uh, Tony Waterman. Just to think that malaria would be here stateside. 523, parents are now going to have more control over how their teenagers are using social media. Meta, which owns Facebook, Instagram, and a bunch of other apps, now adding new features designed to allow parents to oversee their teens' Internet use. A bunch of clinical psychologists weighing in on this. They say social media use is leading to major depression among teenagers globally. These parental controls being put into place is a very positive thing uh, for children since there have been concerns, especially around teens being on social media for an inordinate amount of time. Uh, And certainly now parents being more involved, uh, I think this will be a healthier situation uh, for both uh, the teens and for the parents. So these new tools will allow parents to check how much time their teens spend on Messenger, see updates on their contacts list, view who they can message on Instagram. Parents will now be able to see how many friends their teen has, who they follow, and who they're followed by. And to help teenagers better manage their time, Meta is introducing a take-a-break feature on Facebook, which most of these teens aren't on. But anyway, after 20 minutes on the app, teens will receive a message telling them to step away from the app and set daily time limits. Uh, I, I Sometimes I hear from my kids that they'll get that same message from TikTok that'll say, you've been on this long enough, go outside for a walk, which I, I don't even want to know how long they've been on the app at that point. 525. Let's bring it back home up to the Bronx. Two men dead, another man injured following a shooting in the Longwood section of the Bronx yesterday afternoon. Uh, The bullets flew fifth floor of an apartment building. Strange story. A 28-year-old man, 32-year-old, found dead at the scene with gunshot wounds to their head. Another victim, a 56-year-old who lives in the building, suffered a graze wound to his neck. And I hear two shots. I came back and when I saw all the police here. Everybody over here is asking the same questions, and none of us got answers. Yeah, so here's the strange part of the story. They find two men dead. They think one of those two men was the gunman who shot the other guy, and as he was racing away from the scene, accidentally shot himself in the head and killed himself. The motive of these uh, bullets flying, we do not know. Uh, No arrests have been made, but maybe they don't need to be if the gunman is the one who is dead. But either way, we'll follow this story. And while we're in the Bronx, just just horrendous, horrendous story. A Bronx couple indicted after law enforcement say they discovered two malnourished young girls inside of a disgusting apartment at the Mitchell houses in Mott Haven. These were three and four year old girls who were found by police locked inside of an apartment. The girls nearly starved naked. They were surrounded by feces and urine soaked diapers. Neighbors uh, they claim they had no idea what was going on inside this apartment. It's disgusting. It's crazy. No, that's very horrible. That's, that shouldn't be happening. If we not waking up, this, this is what's going to happen continuously. So, so 40-year-old Stephanie Grabowski, 45-year-old Mark Russell were apparently squatting in this apartment. And someone told on them, so they kicked down the door. And they discovered these two bruised girls laying on a dirty mattress inside this apartment. Uh, Cops believe the young children may have resorted to eating a mattress because they weren't given any food or water. Boy, they can't put these two parents behind bars quick enough. 
We are just getting started on this early Wednesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Remember how smoky it was a couple weeks ago here in Midtown? Well, apparently the smoke from Canadian wildfires set to come back to New York. We'll tell you when. Daniel Penny going to be back in a courtroom today. An amazing number on the number of, uh, uh, on the account of migrants that are still arriving in the Big Apple every day. We'll get into that as well. But first, this at 5.30. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, June 28th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Could see some scattered thunderstorms this afternoon. High 80. Tonight, overnight, partly cloudy, high 66, and then the sun reappears on Thursday, high 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 65 cloudy in Valhalla, up in Westchester, 66 in cloudy in Eatontown, down in New Jersey. And it's 66 and foggy here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour telling you that the smoke from the Canadian wildfires set to reappear here in the big city beginning tomorrow. Not clear how bad it's going to be. You'll remember how awful it was two weeks ago. Governor Hochul says air quality expected to reach though unhealthy levels in some areas beginning tomorrow. A reminder that a good quality index, air quality index, is 50. That's the one you like. And we're expecting the numbers literally tomorrow across the state to be in the unhealthy range. And they'll reach hazardous levels in much of our state. So the smoke will first reach western and central New York before making its way into the city. The governor providing N95 masks to people who want that kind of thing. And we actually experienced 400 in the city of New York. And Syracuse was also hard hit. So we all know what that felt like. You know, we actually had some situations in We'll talk about smoke alarms going off in their homes. Yeah, unfortunately, she says, and we've seen these smoky conditions becoming sort of a more common thing. And that's the unfortunate news that we're experiencing. I would certainly say we did not deal with this in the years past. If you want to know the effects of climate change, you're going to feel it tomorrow in Five, real time. 533, the criminal charges against Daniel Penny. They're going to be unsealed this morning when he's arraigned at a Manhattan criminal court. He was indicted by a grand jury in connection with Jordan Neely's death. 24-year-old Penny was initially arrested on manslaughter charges. Former Marine was recorded on cell phone video holding Neely in a chokehold on an F train for several minutes back on May 1st. He has defended himself in videos that appeared on the Law and Crime Network. Three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you. I'm prepared to go to jail for life and I'm willing to die. So Neely's death was ruled a homicide by a medical examiner. Penny's lawyers argue that he was trying to defend himself and passengers when Neely allegedly started acting erratically on that F train last month. There are now more migrants living in city shelters than there are 
homeless New Yorkers, which is just sort of astronomical and crazy. Right now, the city is taking care of close to 100,000 people in this system with no end in sight. Yeah, that is an exasperated deputy mayor, Ann Williams-Isom, who says the tipping point took place over the weekend when 50,000 migrants were in the city's care. That was outnumbering the 49,000 local homeless in the shelter system. And this is the number we're getting. About 400 new migrants are arriving in New York City every day still. And guess who's picking up the tab? You and I. Taxpayers picking up the tab. Which uh, City Hall estimates will be over $4 billion by early next year. Now, yeah. 535, out to New Jersey. Joe talked about this a little bit earlier this morning, getting confirmation from the National Weather Service that or tornado did indeed touch down in Somerset County during Monday stormy weather. It was in Bernardsville. A survey team from the National Weather Service was sent out there yesterday. They looked at the damage and they said, yeah, this is definitely from a tornado. The power was out, trees down, trees on top of cars. I got scared. I make sure that my siblings were okay, my mom, my dad, all of them. I was in the house and you couldn't see anything outside. It was just like a wave hit the house. Yeah, we were getting these reports early Tuesday morning. It uprooted trees. This twister did knock over some power lines. In fact, most of Bernardsville was without power for most of the day yesterday. We're being told, though, everybody's rewired now. Uh, There's about 3,500 people that live in that town. So 98% of the town without power. But the good news is most people have it back. Now it does all make sense. Now they've driven around town and seen the destruction. You could see immediately there were like trees down, power went out. It was just crazy. Yeah, so details about the path length and the width of the tornado were not handed out yet just by the National Weather Service. But the way it works is they'll take the National Weather Service people. It's not anything incredibly scientific to decide whether or tornado whipped through. But people from the National Weather Service are actually sent out. They'll drive out there. So in this case, I imagine it was from the office in Philadelphia. And they'll look around and they know what they're looking for to see if it's tornado ripped through. And they'll decide, hey, a tornado ripped through or did not. In the case of Bernardsville yesterday, they said it did. WABC News Time 539. All the talk here in Midtown and for sure out in New Jersey, up in the Hudson Valley, was the feds giving the green light the federal approval to congestion pricing. Governor Kathy Hochul here in the city yesterday uh, trying to begin to have the conversation about what this might look like. Of course, we've been told that you'll be charged 23 bucks to drive south of 60th Street here in Manhattan. But not a whole lot more details have come out. We don't even know if that $23 number is actually correct. But here was the governor yesterday in the West Village. We are going to be the very first state in the nation, the very first city in America to have a congestion pricing plan. We are setting the standard right here in real time for how we can achieve cleaner air, safer streets, and better transit. Yeah, she's pretty excited about it. Of course, drivers, not so much. Uh, The MTA could raise a billion dollars a year in tolls from congestion pricing. They say that would be used to fix what's wrong with the subways, the buses, uh, the commuter rail. All this concentrated activity, the vehicles sitting there idling because they cannot move, and our buses that are not moving, 
It's also creating all this exhaust and emissions that our people are breathing. So here's the number we get. 700,000 vehicles pass through New York's Central Business District each day, and uh, they claim congestion pricing will clean up the air. There'll be a 20% decrease. This is their prediction uh, in car traffic when they put this in place. And I get those people will get onto subways, buses, and trains. We have to keep public transportation strong and vibrant and clean and on time. Otherwise, we're not offering people a better alternative. No doubt they need to fix the infrastructure of the subways. If you ride them, you see there's lots of problems at the stations. There's no money to fix them. Uh, Should they get it from drivers? That's the question in New Jersey. The answer is no way. Governor Murphy says there's no way New Jersey drivers are going to bail out the financially failing MTA. The MTA, which is apparently in deep financial uh, consequences, is trying to balance their budget on the back of New Jersey commuters. It's not really clear what they're going to do to be able to stop them. Congressman Josh Gottheimer, he's from New Jersey, uh, he wants to stop this from happening. $23 a day, addition to the $17 they pay to go over the bridge or through the tunnels, this congestion tax is $5,000 a year. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, New Jersey drivers, uh, the ones who come into the city every day, whether it's for work or uh, leisure, they say, uh, no, I don't want to pay this. To put the financial burden on the backs of poor people and small business people is just utterly outrageous. If it's going to make it easier, less congestion, I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, there's lots of questions about, of course, what this will mean for New York City, where people haven't fully returned to work. So much of it is remote. Uh, will this make people more remote? Will companies leave New York, uh, cross the river into Jersey like they did back in the 1980s? Don't know. Uh, but drivers say, hey, if I'm paying 17 bucks to cross the George Washington Bridge or the Lincoln or Holland Tunnels, I shouldn't have to pay anything on top of that. you got to get money from somewhere. And if it means less people driving and more people taking the Metro North or the uh, New Jersey Transit, then I'm all for that. It's going to cost more to go into the city than to do what you're going to do in the city. Yeah, so the MTA going to likely start setting up the tolling infrastructure in the next maybe even couple months now that they've got the green light. They're also going to pull public hearings to help figure out how much that toll will be and who will get exemptions from it. That's the huge question. Uh, who doesn't have to pay this toll? How are they going to figure that out? Well, they do have other cities they can look at. It has been successful, or at least if you talk to transportation folks in London, uh, Singapore, Stockholm, they have congestion pricing in those cities, and they say it has been successful. Pollution is down. Traffic is down. And they've raised money for public transit. All right, 543. New York's new carbon emissions policy targeting pizzerias have owners just fuming, upset. Kevin Jackson, he's the owner of a Greenwich Village pizzeria. He thinks restaurants should have been included in this conversation when they started talking about carbon emissions. Uh, I'm sure the lawmakers have good intentions with this proposal, but coal should not even be part of this conversation due to the due to the clean burning and uh it's really a non a non-starter. Yes, so the environmental department here in the city proposing rules that would require restaurants making coal or wood-fired pizza to cut their emissions by 75%. Pizzeria owners say they would have to purchase these expensive air filter systems or switch to electric ovens, and then pizza tastes different when it comes from an electric oven. Those systems could cost as much as $10,000. They want to know if the city would help them out with paying for that if they institute this. 544. It is the NYPD commissioners last week on the job. 
Mayor Adams remains uh, tight-lipped about the replacement process. The mayor says he'll make the decision and is excited to make the announcement, praising Keyshawn Sewell. It was extremely brilliant to bring her on board, turn around morale, bring down crime, uh, you know, really uh, better involvement with our city. And so when we're ready to make the announcement, we're going to make the announcement. But she is gone and waiting to hear who the replacement might be. And New York City students are going to start practicing what they call mindful breathing. Students in K through 12th grade will be led in two to five minutes of mindful breathing practices every single day. It is going to give them a tool that they can use for the rest of their lives. And the simplicity of it is just breathing. So the city's already started training staff to add mindful breathing practices to their curriculum. Mayor Adams says um, toxic social media, constant new flashes, unfiltered alerts are taking a toll on mental health for students. And these breathing exercises, he thinks, will help them. If you choose not to do the breathing exercise, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Eventually, over time, you'll find your way. But we want to make sure that we build it into our everyday process of education. So they'll start this in the fall. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Ellis. Hold on. I know. I have to do a uh, breathing exercise. All right. Ready? Keep hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Okay, let it out. There you go. So how long are they going to spend doing that all day in uh, class? Seven minutes. Seven minutes yeah. every, every day? Uh, seven minutes. Seven minutes. Two be... to five minutes, sorry. Two like, to five minutes Right, two to day. five minutes mm-hmm. could be spent like doing, I don't know, like a math quiz or... or well, that's not a lot of time, two to five. I just well, don't know if it'll do anything, but well, two to yeah. five minutes is not a lot of time. What do we do all day to stay alive, Noam? Uh, breathe? Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Is that not enough I practice? I am so tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah me too. I'm exhausted. Here we go. The Mets, they were breathing last night. They awoke from the dead for at least one evening as they trounced the visiting Milwaukee Brewers 7-2 in Game 2 of a four-game set in Queens. Brendan Nimmo, he took matters into his own hands at the dish, powering New York to the victory with two long balls on that. Here's what they sounded like, courtesy of SNY. Nimmo drives one deep right field. Perkins going back at the wall. It's out of here. Nimmo hits this one well to left center. Weimer back on the warning track right at the fence. It's out of here. Strikes again. Second home run of the night for Nemo. A two-run shot, and it's 4-0 New York. On the bomb, things showed up as well. With David Peterson being nails through six scoreless innings in his return to the bigs. Uh, the win ensures that owner Steve Cohen has a good result heading into his planned state of the team press conference later on today. It'll be the first time Cohen has spoken to the media since opening day and should take place sometime before tonight's 7.10 p.m. first pitch. Cohen did reveal on Twitter yesterday. Speaking of that 7.10 first pitch, caught a single. We'll get the start against Milwaukee's Wade Miley. As for the Yankees, they got their West Coast trip underway with a tough 2-1 loss at the hands of the uh, lowly A's in Oakland. The A's get their... 21st win on the year. They just got diced up and down all night long by Oakland pitching, especially starter Paul Blackburn, the lone run of the night, coming on the ultra-rare Josh Donaldson home run in the fifth. He's scorching hot, raises his average to 132 in about 23 games played this year. They'll see if they can right the ship in tonight's game two in Oakland, set for a 9.40 p.m. first pitch. Domingo Herman gets tabbed to go against Oakland's J.P. Sears. Here with Sports Now, 
On 77 WABC, I'm Justin Alec. 549, let's catch you up on the big stories of the day. Yesterday, of course, primary day here in the city. All 51 city council seats were open in what are redrawn districts. There were also judges and district attorney candidates on the ballot. One of the most closely watched races was a contest featuring a member of the exonerated Central Park 5 criminal justice reform activist Yusuf Salam. Salam easily winning his primary to represent the central Harlem district. He celebrated with supporters last night. This campaign has been about those who have been counted out. This campaign has been about those who have been forgotten. This, This campaign has been about our Harlem community who has been pushed into the margins of life. There was one big upset as of late last night. Early results show City Councilman Charles Barron in second place in the Democratic primary for Brooklyn District 42. His challenger, Chris Banks, scored 51% of the first round vote. That's with 99% of the vote counted. Now, we're told there are some absentee bouts. Don't know if that would be enough to make up the margin. Barron, a former Black Panther, has represented East New York for more than two decades. Meanwhile, both incumbent Democrat District Attorneys Melinda Katz in Queens and Darcel Clark in the Bronx sailing to easy victories in their boroughs last night. Turnout, as it was during early voting, when just 44,000 people cast their ballots during nine days of early voting. Last night, it was also very low. Uh, there is a huge number of flight disruptions again today. Uh, already 10 to 11 percent of flights have either been delayed or canceled at the big three area airports. This is how they try to play catch up for all these weather-related disruptions that began on Sunday. These storms that are just breezing through one after another, making it hard to get planes into the air. And you can imagine flyers, some of them just trying to start out on vacation or get back home are incredibly frustrated. It's not okay because people have planned these vacations for like a long time. Yeah, that woman, incredibly emotional. She just was ready to get her family on a long uh, planned uh, holiday with her family. That's been delayed by day uh, by days. Uh, This morning, uh, we saw people sleeping on cots uh, because hotel rooms were booked nearby. Others say they've missed work. They're losing money that way. Asian airlines are far, far better than American airlines. They they take care of the customers. Here they don't. They say, sorry, goodbye, see you. So isn't that it's not very friendly over here? Yeah, that guy trying to get home to Singapore says it may not happen till Saturday now. So he's looking for a place for his family to stay. Lots of others uh, say they haven't been given a date at all of when their flight might take off. There's no any flight till first of July, and we don't wear five of our flight. Any there's no any flight till first of July, and we don't wear five of us, and we don't have place to stay here till 1st of July. The best option they gave us is flight from Baltimore, which is tomorrow. And they don't pay anything. Yeah, no, they don't pay out anything. You got to find your own way, in that case, to Baltimore, a train or a car. But the rental cars are all gone. So we've been told that the intense storms are to blame for most of this. But United Airlines is putting some of the blame on the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration's uh, United's CEO says the FAA greatly reduced arrival and departure rates over the last weeks because they're understaffed. 
staffed. They don't have enough people watching the traffic coming in and out. So he says it's not all weather related. And you imagine uh, Flyers not happy to hear that either, especially since the summer season is well underway. We had to get on the phone many, many, many times and finally got rebooked for Friday. Yeah, and correspondent Tom Costello has been at the airport. The airlines and the airports are playing catch up. It's going to take a while. Flights are sold out nationwide, and a lot of folks are just waiting to catch the next flight. Of course, this is ahead of the holiday week when even more people will be flying. Seventy-seven percent of air traffic control facilities are understaffed, not at their optimum level. As a result, the FAA is slowing traffic into key airports, especially in the Northeast. If you're going to the airport today or any time over the coming weeks, check your flights before you leave the house. Yeah, so uh, going to be another tough day. We were looking at Flight Tracker this morning, which is uh, something you can get on yourself, and we saw uh, 10% of flights have either been canceled or delayed already today. So if you're somebody looking to head out on vacation today, you definitely want to check before you head out to the airport. Bring it back here into the city. Uh, we're being told that uh, New York State and local officials are coming up with this plan to beautify Penn Station and the area around it. It's been nasty and disgusting for years. We are going to focus on this building itself and the immediate environs to beautify the streetscapes and put in benches and plantings and and community gathering spaces. We have been told this for years, but the MTA chair, part of this uh, press conference, uh, says uh, they are really going to make it happen this time. That's been closed. Um, that is gives us an opportunity to take what used to be a public space and turn it again into something that is the public benefit. But this is a sign that New York City's back. Our train stations are noisy and bustling and filled with people. And that's what we love about New York. Yeah, you might have heard some protesters in the background. They're yelling, uh, don't destroy our neighborhood. They don't want some of these buildings changed around. Uh, but uh, Kathy Hochul, Jano Lieber, the MTA chair, say they have a plan to fix what's wrong at Penn Station. Finally, a fan attending a pink concert in London threw a bag of their mother's ashes on stage during her performance. You can imagine... That left the singer stunned uh, in a clip that's circulating on social media. Pink and C being picking up this plastic bag and wondering what the hell it is. What is it with people throwing stuff on stage? It's been happening a lot. Uh, she was shocked. She placed the bag back down in front of the speakers and then just went on performing her hit just like a pill from her uh, second studio album. And then you'll remember just last week you had B.B. Rexa. Uh, she's from Staten Island, a pop singer who's gone you know pretty big. She received stitches after some dope in the audience at uh, Pier 17 threw his cell phone at her and hit her smack in the head. She had stitches above her eyes. And um, the guy who threw it said he did it because he just thought it would be funny. Oh, yeah, real funny. You throw something at somebody on stage.